Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode one of my show for the winter semester. It's was originally a radio show, and now it's more of a podcast during COVID times, but I'm restarting now that we're in the new year of 2021. I did 30 episodes during the quarantine period of 2020 between the summer and the fall, and so this is now episode one of the new semester, new year, and so I'm restarting on those. But my show will stay mostly the same. It's still mostly a sports show slash podcast where I'm going to talk about sports for the most part. I'll occasionally throw in some other things as well, but... Today's show and next week's show, all about sports. And because this is my first show of the new year and I haven't done one in a little over a month, there's a lot I haven't caught up on and stuff I want to talk about. And there's not everything, not everything I want to talk about this week can be fit into this week's show. So NBA basketball stuff, I'm saving until next week. I realize James, the James Harden trade went down and it was humongous and there's a lot to, di to digest in that but I want to give I want to have a lot of time dedicated to talking about that stuff and then there's a lot of soccer news as well that I want to get into but again that stuff will be next week so this week's show I'm going to talk about the NFL coaching changes specifically the one involving my team the Philadelphia Eagles I'm also going to talk about the NHL's new North Canadian division and my takeaways so far from the early round of games. Like, the season's basically, you know, about a week old or so at this point. So, there's some stuff that, you know, some small takeaways from the NHL North division. The biggest one being, I love that it's a thing. But I'll have all of that a little bit later in the show. But I'm going to start today with some more football but this one instead of the coaching stuff on the nfl it is the nfl divisional round of the playoffs because the playoffs are well and underway as we are now down to the final four and i'll preview those in just a little bit but i'm going to start with the divisional round matchups the first one being tampa bay and new orleans so bucks versus saints this was brady versus breeze for probably the final time because Drew Brees is reportedly set to almost certainly announce his retirement here uh, this offseason just because there's been a lot of chatter about that apparently in the organization and more than that in this game especially he looked very much like a player whose best days were well in the rear view mirror. It was not a good day for Drew Brees, and Tampa Bay finally got their revenge over to New Orleans. They won the game 30-20 to was the final score. Drew Brees had three interceptions in this game, had only had 134 yards passing. It was just a really terrible day for Brees, and the Saints offense, outside of a trick play that Jameis Winston, you know, in a blown coverage... There really wasn't a lot to like out of that Saints offense, but full credit to the Bucks defense as well. 
On the Tampa Bay side of things, though, like I said, finally finding a way to beat the Saints. The Saints beat them in week one of the regular season and laid a just smackdown to them in week nine of the regular season. And so they found a way to get revenge, which is always kind of nice because Tampa Bay had been the whipping boys for the Saints for so long where they just couldn't win. The Saints won every single game, it seemed like, against Tampa Bay. And with Tom Brady, with Rob Gronkowski, with the playoffs on the line, spot in the championship game, the uh, NFC championship game, Tampa found a way to do it. And so the Bucks' defense in this game was spectacular. Devin White was the best player in this game by far. He was running around all over the field. His tackling was immense he has a he had a fumble recovery in this game he had an interception in this game Devin White was spectacular and you know Tom Brady wasn't necessarily spectacular but he didn't have to be because Tampa Bay ran the ball pretty effectively they ran 63 yards through Fournette 62 through Ronald Jones and that was enough for them because the Saints defense did about as well as you could have against this Tampa Bay team. But the Bucks found a way to score off turnovers, and that was the biggest difference in the game. Tampa Bay off to the conference championship for the first time since 2002. Tom Brady, by the way, this is now his 14th championship game, and that, in addition to the nine Super Bowl appearances he has and the six Super Bowl championships he has, it is pretty amazing what he's been able to do in his career at this point Tom Brady is reaching pretty unattainable levels for anybody as far as the success because no matter where he goes no matter what his teammates no matter who his teammates are no matter what the circumstances look like he finds ways to win and that was very very evident this weekend in the Saints Bucks game so credit to Tampa Bay they are on to the the final four and their opponent i'll talk about them here in just a minute one last quick note about new orleans though they're gonna have a real tough off season with the loss in the game because drew Brees, like i said almost certainly gonna retire and obviously breeze is retiring as one of the all-time greats but there will be some dead cap money on his contract and the saints are heavy over the cap already and they have some notable free agents, including starting tight end Jared Cook, starting uh, safety Marcus Williams, who is a really big part of that defense, and pass rusher Trey Hendrickson, who notably had quite a few sacks this season, including quite a few on Tom Brady in the regular season. So a lot of question marks in New Orleans. The next game, Packers and Rams. So Tampa Bay's opponent... It's Green Bay. Green Bay won this game 32-18 to over the Rams. Not that surprising a result. Green Bay was the number one seed, and they had home field advantage and took full advantage of the fact that they were at home in the cold against a warm-weather team and got it done. Aaron Rodgers, great in this game, and the run game for Green Bay was spectacular. Aaron Jones had 99 yards and a touchdown, averaging 7.1 yards per carry. Jamal Williams averaged 5.4 yards per carry, and A.J. Dillon on his six carries 
at 27 yards, which is 4.5 yards per carry. Those are all really good numbers, by the way, for running the football, and that was the biggest difference. The Rams could not stop the run game, and it opened up so many opportunities for the passing game of the Green Bay Packers. And offensively, you know, I don't think Jared Goff played badly in this game. I think considering the fact he was playing with a broken thumb, he played about as well as you could have asked. And the problem is that the Rams offense was really limited in this game because it was pretty obvious Goff couldn't throw. And so when Green Bay would get in these third and long situations, it was really easy for the defense to just tee off and take out the Rams wide receivers very easily and get sacks on the quarterback. So credit to Green Bay getting the job done. They will host Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game. Cannot wait for that. Should be a very, very good game. On the AFC side, I'll start with the Bills and Ravens. Buffalo is off to the AFC Championship game after a 17-3 win over the Ravens. Baltimore, you know, there's a little bit of a bad luck element to this as far as like the wind in the game because Baltimore had a couple field goals go off the crossbar. But Buffalo got... One good touchdown drive, and they got a pick six on Lamar Jackson, and that was the difference. Because this was a defensive game with two really feisty defenses that stifled the other team's offense. But the Bills got one good drive, and Baltimore had one go all the way to the other end zone. So that was the difference in the game. Credit to Buffalo. Baltimore, there's some soul-searching, I think, for this team because, again... It doesn't feel quite like a failure this year compared to last year, but it still feels disappointing for Baltimore because it feels like this team should be better than what they are. But Buffalo, credit to them, finding a way to win. They're off to the AFC Championship game. Their opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now this game against Cleveland was crazy because Kansas City won 22-17, to and initially, it looked like it was going to be a blowout because Kansas City came out. They looked just flat out unstoppable against the Cleveland Browns in the first half. And then a couple things swung in Cleveland's direction because first, there was a missed field goal by the Chiefs that hit the upright. And the second thing that happened is Chiefs superstar, MVP quarterback, Patrick Mahomes got taken out of the game with a concussion. Basically what happened was he was scrambling and Mahomes kind of got grabbed on the back of the neck. And so even though like he didn't hit his head necessarily on the play, there may have been an element of whiplash or something to that effect because obviously head injuries, there's still a lot that, you know, we're learning about them and stuff like that. So Mahomes ended up with a concussion and left the game. So it was up to Chad Henney, the backup quarterback of the Chiefs, who really couldn't do a whole lot for them. And Cleveland made a little bit of a comeback. And they got it within one possession. But Chad Henney, with just a gutsy third down run and a gutsy fourth down conversion, was able to secure the win for Kansas City. Final score, like I said, 22-17. to for Cleveland, you know, there's kind of two emotions, I think, for them coming out of this game. Because on one hand, 
they had a um, they had an amazing season. Cleveland should be extremely proud of what their team was able to achieve this season, and there's really no shame in losing to Kansas City. But on the other hand, Mahomes got injured. He had a missed field goal, and it really felt like a little bit of a gut punch to Cleveland, the fact that they couldn't win in spite of all of those things going in their favor. And it just really feels like a missed opportunity for them. It really does. Even though, again, you know, no one's going to sit there and say this was a failure of a season for Cleveland. That's not the case at all. But it's like, you know, damn, they probably should have gotten one type of feeling. But credit to the Chiefs for grinding out the win. Andy Reid, gutsy fourth down call, worked out for him. Kansas City off to the AFC Championship game. Obviously, the two championship games... On the AFC side, the big question mark has to be Patrick Mahomes and whether or not he clears concussion protocol because he is currently in concussion protocol and it's unclear whether or not he gets out of it because, well, that stuff is... You need to get cleared by a team doctor and an independent uh, neurosurgeon in order to get cleared to play. So we'll keep an eye on it, but if Mahomes plays... Kansas City probably wins. I'm saying that with a little hesitation. And if Mahomes can't play, it is 100% Buffalo's opportunity to win. As in, the Bills will never have a better chance to beat Kansas City than they will this weekend if Mahomes can't go. On the NFC side, it's kind of a legacy game in some ways. Because Tom Brady is trying to somehow get to a 10th Super Bowl game. Just saying that just crazy makes me just baffles me completely how that's even possible. But Brady is trying to get to a 10th Super Bowl game. Aaron Rodgers is trying to get just to his second ever in his career. So a lot to play for. A little bit of a revenge factor for Green Bay as well, who lost big time to Tampa Bay in week six of the regular season. So should be exciting. Looking forward very much to this weekend for the conference championship games. All right, on to the NHL stuff, the North Division takeaways. So I know there's three other divisions of American teams. I know. But living in Canada and... Yeah, basically living in Canada means you're only caring about one of them this year. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to check in on the other divisions from time to time. But it just means pretty much all of my attention is going to the All-Canadian Division. Because it is fun. It is exciting. And we've already had some bad blood in some of these games. Toronto and Winnipeg had quite a quite a little dust-up where Kyle Connor ended up getting his face punched in a whole bunch after he ran into uh, Frederick Anderson in the Maple Leafs net. Matthew Kachuk is already making friends in the second matchup the Flames had with Vancouver where he ended up getting punched in the face and drew a penalty for Calgary which they ended up scoring on which was very nice as a Flames fan so overall my takeaway so far and again it should be stated this is very very early in the season but for Montreal Josh Anderson looks really good for them and that's good because Anderson's obviously struggled with injuries the last couple of years 
And, you know, the Canadians were basically giving him a big contract. And the reason they traded for him and gave him a bunch of money was because he had 27 goals just a few seasons ago. And Josh Anderson looks a lot more like the guy who scored 27 goals than the guy who scored one goal last year. The other big Montreal takeaway, I would say personally, is do not trade Suzuki for Dubois. I know Pierre-Luc Dubois has been in trade rumors from Columbus. He wants out. But if Montreal wants Dubois, do not give up Suzuki. He looks like he's probably taken the next step in his development. I love the way Suzuki is playing for Montreal. I would not trade him for Dubois. I would try and trade other pieces. For the Toronto Maple Leafs, my first takeaway with them is their first line still kind of seems to be figuring themselves out a little bit because Joe Thornton is a newcomer to that line with Matthews and Marner. And so you have to think that eventually they'll probably figure it out or they'll change it up. But there's there seems to be a little bit more confusion as far as how that fit goes for the Maple Leafs on that top unit. The second takeaway for Toronto is their goaltending situation is not that clear right now because Anderson is the guy being paid as the number one goalie, but Campbell's the guy probably playing better right now. And granted, again, very early in the season, but something to keep an eye on um, from a Maple Leafs perspective is the goaltending. For Winnipeg... I'm glad they don't have a COVID problem. That's my first takeaway because they were the first Canadian team to be really affected by COVID here in the middle, or not in the middle, excuse me, in, in season, I should say. The other takeaway for the Jets has to be the defense, though. The Jets' defense, and again, they've only played two games, so, you know, you can't take too much away from this. But Winnipeg's defense was a little bit of a concern going into the season. And they haven't really done anything to make people think otherwise. And so we'll see how that evolves, but they're going to need more out of the defense if they want to finish into in a playoff spot this season. For the Ottawa Senators, Tim Stutzla looks really good. So that's a good takeaway. My other takeaway is that, you know, and, and some people have said this going into the year, that Ottawa would probably be a tough out regardless, even if they were the worst team in the division. And it certainly looks like the, that's probably going to be the case where they will be a tougher out, I think, than some people may give it credit for. Ottawa is obviously not going to be a playoff team because they don't really have the players for it right now. But the Sens, as they proved against the Leafs, can probably steal a game or two. And that could be crucial because I think this division will likely come down to the finest margins of points. For Vancouver... Looks like they missed the players that Calgary took, that's for sure, based on their poor start to the season with one win and three losses on the year. And so, you know, part of it, I think, is players getting used to each other, right? You have a new goalie, you have Nate Schmidt, a new, you know, top right-hand defenseman, and you have up front, Miller just came back. And so there is an element of, you know, they have to get up to speed. But also, Vancouver just, I think they missed the players that Calgary ended up taking from them. And my, from, sorry, from Vancouver to Edmonton, I should say. 
The Oilers takeaways for me, Oscar Kleffbaum is going to be a bigger loss than they think it is because right now the Oilers defense, oh man, it looks awful. And the other big takeaway I think is that they haven't really improved since the bubble. And what do I mean by that? And again, it's still early, so I don't want to read too much into this, but one of the problems the Oilers had in the bubble, and I'm not saying this as a Flames fan who doesn't like the Oilers, I'm saying this as someone who objectively is looking at the team. If McDavid and Dreisaitl don't explode for points, like if those guys don't have like a hat trick or like four points or something like that, it's really hard for Edmonton to win because they don't consistently get enough depth scoring and their defense is really bad, especially without Clefbaum. And so you have a situation where this Oilers team, I don't think is really any different from the bubble I think they're still being hurt by the same problem because their one win this season Connor McDavid had a hat trick and in their three losses this year McDavid has not had hat tricks and you know that's I'm not trying to say that to put it on McDavid because I'm not saying that at all that's unfair to expect any player to have to perform at like insane levels night after night after night McDavid's a great player but you can't expect him to score three goals in every single game. That is completely unrealistic. So, something to keep an eye on in Edmonton. And finally, my team, the Calgary Flames. So, a couple takeaways. My first one being that Jacob Markstrom looks really good. And he certainly looks like he was worth every penny, at least so far. Right? Still early. And my other takeaway is... I kind of like where Calgary's going with the forward lines. I don't know if I love every single one so far, but I like the idea they're going with because Jeff Ward, what he's done is he has Kachuk and Lindholm kind of, you know, being the center and they're kind of the important players on the first line. And then Monaghan and Gaudreau are kind of the important players on the second line. And then Backlund is kind of the important player on the third line. And Bennett is kind of an important player on the fourth line unless Bennett gets moved up. And, you know, there's possibilities for that. But I kind of like that because Calgary is taking almost a four-line approach. Instead of first line, second line, third line, fourth line, it's like, you know, you have your defensive line. You have kind of more of an offensive line. You have a do-everything line and a, you know, pisses-off-the-other-team line type of thing. So... I like that because it feels like there's going to be a lot more parity in this team. And the less reliant Calgary needs to be on Goudreau and Monaghan, the better off they'll be. So those are my takeaways from the early days of the Scotiabank NHL North Division. So I'll have a lot more segments like that over the coming weeks and months. All right, and finally, my last segment of the day, NFL coaching stuff. So there was some coaching hires that were made. The Chargers hired Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley and Arthur Smith, who was the Tennessee offensive coordinator. He went to Atlanta. Robert Sala went to the New York Jets. And there's only two openings that are left, the Eagles and the Texans. The Texans are a whole different mess. But I want to quickly talk about the Eagles. So, fair warning to anybody who's going to listen to this. I'm I'm going to I'm about to do a little bit of a rant here and it's only going to be a couple minutes, but just 
fair warning on this. I'm not happy with what Philly did. So the Eagles, after a terrible 4-11-1 season, fired head coach Doug Peterson. And when I heard that news, I wanted to punch a hole in the wall. And then when I've heard some of the names that the Eagles are considering for replacing Nick Peterson, I've wanted to go throw up every time. And honestly, this team, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman make me sick to my stomach because those two need to slap themselves in the face and look in the mirror and realize that they're the problem and not Peterson. This was not peterson's fault entirely doug deserves some blame for stuff right like there's some stuff peterson does that pisses me off a lot like his play calling on two-point conversion seems to be awful but he is a really good coach and when you have a really good coach don't let them go especially when in three of the past four seasons the eagles have made the playoffs they won the Super Bowl, the only one in franchise history, three years ago. They had a terrible year this year. But one terrible year shouldn't dismiss any of the success they had. Because a lot of that success was because of Doug Peterson. And so I decided to look up this stat because I thought it was interesting. So this is from Newsday.com. But it's the list of coaches who have won the Super Bowl. So there have been 54 Super Bowls played so far in NFL history. This is the entire NFL history. And 54 Super Bowls have been won by 33 head coaches. So just, I want you to think about that for a second. In the entire grand history of the NFL, of the National Football League, there have been 33 head coaches that have won Super Bowls. 33. And if you're wondering how many of them are active, Bill Belichick is active. He has six, obviously, with the Patriots. And then, let's see, the other ones, Chuck Knoll has four, but he's not an active coach anymore. Bill Walsh has three. Gibbs has three, neither one active coaches. Vince Lombardi has two, not an active coach. Landry has two, not an active coach. Don Shula, same thing. Tom Flores, same thing. Bill Parcells, George Seifert, Jimmy Johnson, Mike Shanahan, Tom Coughlin, same thing. So here we get to some of the active coaches. Andy Reid is the coach of the Chiefs. He has one Super Bowl. He might have a chance to make that two this year, but he only has one right now in his coaching career. Doug Peterson has one. And then we have John Gruden. He has one. Although Gruden's was back in 2002, but still. John Gruden has one. Mike Tomlin has one. Sean Payton has one. Mike McCarthy has one. John Harbaugh has one. Pete Carroll has one. You see a pattern? If you have a good head coach, maybe don't let them go, right, without... Like, I'm not saying these coaches are unfireable, but maybe have a little bit of thought for how tough it is to win a Super Bowl, because my team is so utterly embarrassing that we somehow have made ourselves one of the least attractive jobs in the entire NFL 
because the message that the Eagles are sending to every potential head coach out there is that, hey, you can come in here and win the franchise's only Super Bowl, but you're going to get fired the minute you have a bad season because, you know, we don't know what we're doing. So, I hate everything about this situation. And the Eagles need to slap themselves in the face. And just in general, they need to retract anything they've done regarding the coaching stuff because they're not going to hire another Doug Peterson. They're probably going to hire, they're more likely to hire the next Adam Gase than they are the next Doug Peterson because Peterson was a great coach for this team. And so my final thing I want to say about this topic Thank you, Doug Peterson, for bringing my team a Super Bowl. I will always remember that. I am forever grateful for that. The Philly Special is like my favorite football play of all time. And I am sorry that the team I support is so stupid that we can't realize how good a coach he was. That is my final thing. So that's it. That's it for my show today. The very last thing I will say is that... um. I had my great uncle Yuka pass away um, a couple days ago, and I know he listened to me on my show. And so I just, you know, I, I didn't get to see him that much growing up because he lived in Finland, I lived in Canada, but I wanted to say really quickly, I'm very grateful for the times I did get to see him. And thank you so much for listening to my show and it really does mean a lot to me so thank you anyway that's it for my show this week like i said next week basketball stuff soccer stuff will be on hand and to everybody out there be happy be healthy stay safe